Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kings Leo Gudira coming to you. Real talk from Sacramento, California, where we have all of the latest gist. This is African Basketball Podcast at its best. Hello, hello, and welcome to Real Talk with Kings Leo Gudira. And today uh, we are sitting with someone extremely special. This is a legendary former player. Uh, you know, the best thing that I can do is, uh, is just basically, you know, give you this, uh, give her an introduction of legendary. That's all I can say. This is the one and only Umfan Udoka. Please welcome to Real Talk with Kingsley. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, this is uh, this is very fantastic. Uh, you know, well, you know, just to, you know, just so, you know, so the people that are out there, if you. If you're, you know, watching or listening to this podcast right now, uh, Ufan is, you know, is a Nigerian American, a former professional basketball player. She's a WM, a former WNBA player and former captain of the Nigerian national team. She's a former Olympian. You know, she's a former world championship participant. She's a, a former African champion. You know, I, I think a two time, three time, you know. Back to back. Oh, three and oh, five. And then as a manager in 2017. That is awesome. Look, look at that. Look at that. And believe me, you know, if you've uh, played in Africa, or if you've participated in Africa, it's not a cup of tea. You know, believe me, it is a tough, tough environment. You know, uh, I just want you to kind of like share with us, uh, you know, what you've been up to, what's going on with you. Oh, well, right now, um, luckily enough, I am living in Texas where dealing with the pandemic is not as strict as the rest of the country or probably the northern states or maybe, dare I say, the more liberal states. But um, I'm teaching. I'm teaching um, high school kids, ninth and 10th graders, a professional communications class where it's a little kind of like a speech class, but it's a little bit more um, trying to prepare them with life skills uh, for the rest of that they can use in the rest of their lives. I coach volleyball and basketball and um, luckily enough, we're in school. They have uh, set it up where we stagger every other day and have Mondays off. Um, We're in school, but no students are. Mm. So some, some kids are depending on the letter of the alphabet, they're there twice a week and um, it's been working out pretty well. That sounds awesome. It sounds like you're staying pretty busy, even with uh, this COVID environment. I am, and I feel lucky uh, to have at least not been, you know, unemployed or stuck in the house and um, having somewhere to go every day. It, it helps deal with everything else around you. Now, how, how, how is it, you know, like for someone like yourself that's played at a high level, uh, and, you know, to be coaching, you know, ninth graders and 10th graders where, you know, their skills are kind of raw, they're still maturing and learning this, the uh, the game. How are you finding it, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, you know, the, the differences, you know, like, you know, do, do you have to kind of tone it down for your personality? I imagine that having a success that you've had, you, you've had to kind of like go at it a, a few times. You know, it's interesting. It's taught me a lot more patience. Um, I don't expect any less of them than I would expect if I was coaching a college team or, you know, more experienced kids. But I I take a lot of pride in just teaching them basics because they are so ready and so eager to just learn. Um, 
with the way AAU is set up, it kind of has ruined high school basketball. Cause I feel like when I was coming up, high school basketball was, you know, really competitive. Um, didn't matter where you played. If you were a freshman or not, you still, you know, were expected to compete. And I expect the same things from them. It's fun. Um, and like I said, I, I try to develop their skills and get them ready to move up to JV and varsity if possible. Um, but it's fun. It is um, the talent level because the way our schools are set up, you know, the varsity and JV take the best players, but I still have stuff to work with and it's a challenge. Um, and I've seen, when you see growth in a player, I don't think it, it, it doesn't really matter what level you're coaching, but when you see them grow or you see them um, get better at something, I think it, it regardless, it, it just makes you happy as a coach. Yeah, definitely. Coaching is uh, one of the, you know, uh, the things that even myself, I, I, you know, I started coaching a little bit and and it was a tremendous amount of patience that is involved in it because I find myself, you know, wanting to yell and, you know, and, you know, you want things done a certain way. And, and you know, it kind of like, you know, when, when I was a player too, you know, you kind of like demand a lot from yourself and, you know, uh, you know, you carries over to, you know, you know, as well to your students. Now, uh, you know, you know, speaking of uh, Africa, you, you, you know, also, you know, managed, you know, uh, you know, at the high level, the Nigerian national team in terms of helping them get to another, you know, championship, you know, not only winning it yourself, but one of the few players to only win and then help coach and get them, you know, to another championship. You know, how, how do you find, you know, the competition in Africa compared to the rest of the world? Well, it's, it's difficult to say because we use a combination of, you know, players born outside of Nigeria, but in general, it's gotten a lot better than it was. Um, I still think there's leaps and bounds. There's so much more potential and growth there and it needs the proper attention. Once it gets the proper attention, you'll see more um, success when you have African teams in any championship, but the, uh, the amount of youth are there. They're needing something. Um, everybody is, every country has a different build or different physique. And I think with the amount of people in Nigeria, they are built for every sport. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just soccer. It should be, you know, basketball and volleyball and, you know, just depending on where, what region you're from. And again, the build you are, but it just needs the proper attention. And once you get that um, rolling, I think you'll see the emergence of them on a world level and having success. Yeah. And, and I think there's uh, a lot of things that, you know, uh, goes on notices because we spent so much in Nigeria, spent so much time uh, or so much emphasis on, on soccer or football, uh, you know, that, you know, all the other sports kind of get neglected. You know, uh, and, you know, the training, you know, the, there needs to be more emphasis definitely on, you know, training, you know, you know, uh, the local players, grooming them and kind of coming up and uh, injecting it, you know, with, you know, the other players, the foreign players, just building an academy. I always encourage every every country uh, kind of like, you know, you you've kind of you're, you're familiar with uh, Senegal, the Senegal team. You know, you face them a lot and, uh, you know, your fiance is uh, uh is uh, is is from Senegal as well, and so how are you finding that combination? What kind of battles are you guys having at home there? <laughs> well, you know, there's the normal 
talking back and forth, whatever. Um, I think, though, at the end of the day, you just kind of want to see success for the continent. Um, they have a lot, I think, more, I want to say probably history on the women's side of having, I think they have 11 championships. So they've been doing this for a while. Um, their men are, are kind of always on the cusp or right outside of getting to um, back to winning. But um, Nigeria, of course, is the favorite. And I let him know that all the time. Yeah. Um, beat Nigeria. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, again, I think whenever it comes down to whatever competitions, you just want to see um, Africa do well. Yeah, definitely. And that, and that was actually one of the things that I was uh, chatting with, uh, you know, Julius Wansu uh, about, you know, some of the competitions uh, that we've had in Nigeria and Africa. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we found it was uh, the competition obviously was very, very tough. And it seemed like everyone gave you their best, especially when you're fighting for, you know, one spot for the world championship or two spots for the Olympics or something like that, where, yeah, the whole continent knows that they have to bring it, you know, to, you know, to get that one spot. Who was, uh, you know, who do you feel is your, uh, you know, what country, you know, is, is your biggest nemesis that you faced, you know, when you were playing and what player kind of, you know, like stuck out that, you know, you always had to deal with? I don't remember a specific player, um, but I would say there's, I mean, Senegal obviously was the, I think we played them um, in the championship in, in, in Abuja to win. Um, we beat Mozambique in Mozambique in 2003. So I'd say Senegal was always tough, but one team that I, I always remember, and even though they didn't really win much, they were really hard to play against. That was Congo. They were very physical. Um, you knew every time you played them, you were going to get beat down and they were going to come after you. And they had some really big, like strong girls across their whole front line and they played really hard and um, they never have gotten to the podium when I was playing. And now they won, I think they represented the Olympics maybe in 2000 or, or uh, maybe the year before in Atlanta. I can't remember the year, but um, they are a beast and um, it didn't really matter who you played. I mean, we could be playing someone like Algeria and be beating them by 30 points, but they're still going to play like they're down five mm. and they never stop. Um, that's all African teams. It doesn't matter what country um, they do not stop playing until that whistle and that game is over and they play hard every single minute and you can't relax on any team because they're going to keep coming for you regardless of the score. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. And because, you know, uh, you know, of course, when you're involved in a game like that, you you almost want to break, you know, if you if you get up a little bit there, you want them uh, to kind of give, you know, give in a little bit. But yeah, in, in Africa, oh. there's no. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you've been inducted into some Hall of Fames, you know, uh, let's, uh, you know, kind of go back to, you know, like your uh, old high school is uh, uh, a Benson Benson Polytechnic, right? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, how was that? Like, you know, that that was your first uh, Hall of Fame? Yeah, that was my first Hall of Fame. And I got that after um, playing the Olympics in 2004. Um, I had a great high school career. I had a great uh, call or high school coach, Dennis Carline. But before I started playing, they were already good. So when I came in my freshman year, 
I was on the varsity team. I didn't play much, but um, we got second in state that year. So it wasn't like um, I didn't have something or, or a tradition to follow. And so um, my senior year, we placed third. We didn't win the state championship. And that's one of those things that still kind of burns at me. But um, I was MVP of the state tournament in 1994, um, even though we placed third. And um, I just have such great memories. I mean, I still talk to some of my high school teammates. And I think that's just a time that you never really forget. Um, just because you're young and basketball uh, was, was something that I always wanted to do and be good at. And I had a good coach that helped me and, and sacrificed a lot and gave me the tools and taught me things and just made himself available for whatever we needed. And it wasn't just me. It was, he did this for, you know, over 20 years. So um, when I coach right now and I think about the things that he, he did for me and did for us, and I'm always exhausted. I'm so tired all the time. And I think about mom, this guy, this, this man, really um was a coach but on another level mm. that's fascinating it's always uh nice when you know uh, you have someone that kind of shows an interest and makes an impact on your life because it motivates you you know uh and you know people don't realize they you know especially coaches you know like when you're training these kids and so on you know uh you're leaving an imprint you know uh and it could it could change someone's life depending on you know, how, how you uh, treat them. Now, uh, you, you uh, have a brother that also plays basketball that, you know, they uh, play for the national team. You know, how was that growing up? Uh, your brother, uh, Imo Udoka, you know, uh, who was also my, one of my teammates uh, that I, I got a chance to play with, you know, how was that for you guys growing up? Uh, you know, it must've been very competitive. Uh, everybody playing basketball at such a high level. Believe it or not, we did not really play basketball with each other. I had an older, I have an older brother, James. We're all a year apart. Um, when we grew up, the foundation of our uh, youth was sports. So we were in baseball and t-ball first. Um, Ime and I were actually on the same t-ball team at one time. And we were like head and shoulder giant kids above all these little you know, bitty kids. And, and um, Ime and I were real competitive as far as just around the house because we used to fight a lot. Um, my older brother, James, was a lot more chill, and um, he and Yume would go play pickup basketball and whatnot, but I played a lot of sports, and so whenever they were um, walking up and going to play outside, I was either, you know, playing softball, because they had stopped playing bas baseball, and I still continued playing um, softball, but believe it or not, we didn't grow up having, like, one-on-one -on -one battles or anything <laughs> like that. Um, funny enough, I know it sounds weird, but... Um, Later on in life, I think uh, once we both kind of embarked on our professional careers, we worked out a lot together and um, did things like that. But it was never too competitive. And, and there's just a time when, you know, I was bigger than him and I was stronger than him and I was taller than him. And I was able to kind of bully him around a little bit. But there was just <laughs> one, one year where I think it might have been from seventh to eighth grade when he got a little bit stronger and, and he's <laughs> pushing him around one time and I was just like, Ooh, this was not the same anymore. So I kind of stopped messing with him that way. We, we were, we became really cool and close after that. We're close right now. We're, you know, um, a lot, we had the same paths uh, as, as athletes, but yeah, I mean, I've, he, I'm super proud of him. Um, he really is the epitome of hard work and the underdog, the underdog of all underdogs. I mean, he had, several knee surgeries, played minor league, 
you know, got cut, waved, played here, played there, and then, you know, finally got his crack into the NBA and made a career out of it. And then he's in coaching. So, I mean, he's, he's been incredibly blessed, but it's not like he didn't work for it. And it's not like he um, didn't face several obstacles along the way, but makes me happy. makes me proud. Um, any team he's on is my favorite team um, right now. So it's like, if he's coaching for San Antonio, then I'm going for the Spurs. When he moved to Philly, going for Philly. Now he's in Brooklyn. Go Brooklyn. So it's kind of fun to like follow him along and, um, you know, hope he, he hope he gets another ring because he was lucky enough to get one with San Antonio. So as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You know, absolutely. And uh, and, and I, I have to say that uh, your brother, I, like I said, I, I had a pleasure of playing with him as well. And uh, he's one of the you know super nicest guys and, you know, the you know, super nicest teammates, just an awesome, awesome guy. And and on, on, literally what you said is the hard work, you know, that he puts in. Uh, I believe the first time I actually met him, uh, we were uh, in Cleveland, you know, uh, for the Cavaliers. You know, I believe, uh, you know, that's the first time that we were working out, you know. And he's like, oh, it's the Nigerian guy. Then I'm a Nigerian guy. And, it's, you know, the uh, Nigerian national team, we were going to be training, you know, in, in Cleveland there. And so they kind of brought us in to work out. You know, it was me and him, you know. So and and that was that was my first experience. Actually, I met him in the in the limo uh, from the airport. <laughs> so it was one of the you know perks. I was like, oh yeah, this is nice. You know. <laughs> yeah. but anyways, uh, but he works hard. You know, even you know I've I known him after the, after the games. You know, and you know when he was with the Kings over here. Uh, after the games, he would, you know, go and, you know, go work out and, you know, I got to get my shots in, I got to do this. And, uh, and and it was, you know, it was very refreshing, you know, because, you know, being a professional athlete, you see some guys slack off, you know, uh, not him, you know, he was always on top of it, you know, you know, does the right thing. So I'm super, super proud of him as well. I'm, you know, I'm happy, you know, that he's, you know, uh, able to, you know, kind of you know function at such a high level. And of course he's got a brain, you know, like an IQ for basketball. That's unbelievable. So I expect him to be a head coach here very soon. Yeah. Now, you know, you got other hell of fames that you were inducted in. Please elaborate a little bit. Cause I know you got, you went, you were at DePaul, right? DePaul university. Yeah. Um, so after my high school Hall of Fame in 04, I was inducted into the um, PIL Hall of Fame, which is the Portland Interscholastic League. That's all the um, the league that all of our city high schools play in. That was in 07. And then um, FIBA Africa top 50 in 50 years. So one of the best 50 players in 50 years. That was in 2011. And then I received the um, Golden Basket FIBA Award for, you know, kind of legendary status in 2013, I think that was in Cameroon, or maybe 2015, I think. I know they thought I was joking when I said legendary, but yes, yeah. it's legendary. I, <laughs> and, I wasn't joking. It's legendary. And even that's from FIBA Africa basketball. Yeah. Legendary. Please yeah. continue. And then I ended DePaul and then I ended DePaul recently in 2017. So now that that's, you know, truly, truly an accomplishment. And, you know, when, if you've never seen a play, you know, uh, please, you need to see some videos because yeah, it's uh, truly phenomenal, you know, uh, and when, you know, to get, you know, these type of awards, they, they just don't give it to anybody, believe me, you know, so she put in some work. You know, so, you know, I want to I want to, you know, take a quick break. You know, we're going to come right back. 
Uh, we're just going to be, you know, we have some sponsors, you know, Jump Souls. We want to thank Jump Souls for, you know, providing, a, you know, a long, healthy relationship with us, you know, working out the legs. Today's episode, episode is being brought to you by Jump Souls. All right. Welcome back to Real Talk with Kingsley Obadira. We're speaking with Fanu Doka the legendary uh, form of Nigerian a national team captain and, like I said, FIBA legendary player. Uh, what was that? What, what was that award that you received? The, uh, the, 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 uh, with the golden basket? What? Yes. Now, yeah, please explain that, explain that award. Uh, you know, what, who gets that award? What type of player gets that type of award? I think it's something that is for, you know, someone who has been obviously impactful in basketball and just has, you know, finished their career with um, a lot of success and in, in accolades. And I think just for um, Nigeria in general, you know, there wasn't a lot of success um, before I started playing for the team and kind of helped uh, put things, put us on the map, so to speak. And then, um, Luckily enough that, you know, now they're able to compete and really do well on a world stage as well, not just in Africa, but um, there was a big drought, you know, 12 years um, from 20, uh, 2005 to 2017 till we, since we had won. And um, it's just been so great to see us back on top where I always thought we should be anyway. And um, having the success, like I said, not only, on the continent, but you know, in the world championships and they have the Olympics coming up. And I think um, if hopefully the Olympics will, you know, commence and they'll get the chance to compete again, but you know, they did really well at the world championships a few years back and um, it's just exciting to watch them and uh, have success. And hopefully, like I said, with this upcoming games in Japan this summer, we'll see a leap even more. Now, what does it mean to you, you know, like having an opportunity to have represented Nigeria? Uh, I know you've played in, you know, the WNBA, you've played overseas, you've played in Europe, all over the place. But what does it mean, you know, to you, you know, uh, playing for your home country? You know, it means it, it's it's a different level. And I'll say this because, you know, I never went to Nigeria as a child, but my dad talked about it. And it's like, you're always curious because you always want to know, you know, you see someone in your house uh, on a daily basis that's, you know, not American. So you've always, you know, we'd see pictures, you brought videos and like, um, we would, the curiosity of just always wanting to know what's there and what's it like. Um, and I don't know if you know this, I know I've probably said this to you before, but you're the first person who called my college um, at DePaul and, you know, inquired about me playing. And at the time I had torn my ACL. So I I'd, I'd stopped um, my college career was over in 98. I went overseas to Portugal for a year and then um, I came back and I was considering whether or not to finish my um, last two quarters of school at the time. And then in August, um, I had tore my ACL. So I remember getting a call in 99 and my school was like, you know, someone called his name is Kingsley. And I was like, well, I don't know who that is, but okay. Um, and he was, you know, asking, do you want to play for Nigeria? And I was like, what? I was like, I can play for Nigeria. Like, are you kidding? And I was like, man, but, I, but, but my knees torn, my ACL is torn. I had to have surgery. And so like, I never forgot 
about that opportunity. And I didn't have your number and it wasn't like we had social media back then. It wasn't like we had cell phones, um, email, none of that. So I had always remembered your name, but um, had no way of knowing how to contact you or find you. And then um, in 2001, that was my first year back um, after having surgery. So I was kind of out, I, I had my surgery in 99 and then I went back and got my degree and finished that and rehabbed all at the same time. And so then I went to Israel and that's where I met Maktabene. Mm. And, you know, she's Nigerian and I'm asking her all these questions. I was like, yeah, somebody named Kingsley called me years ago, blah, 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 blah. Um, so she always, or during that time, she and I kept in touch for the next few years. Um, I didn't see her, but I happened to, um, we were in the WNBA at the same time and she was in Seattle and I was in Houston. And then from there, after the season was over, um, Nigeria was hosting the all Africa games and she was like, you got to come over. And at the time she was like, yeah, if we win the all Africa games, we go to the Olympics. I was like, Oh hell yeah, I'm coming. You know, <laughs> didn't know anybody. Um, when I, when my WNBA season was over two weeks after that, I think I flew out to Nigeria. Now, I don't know. I can't remember all the details, but all I know is I get to Abuja and no one is there. <laughs> I don't know who I'm supposed to call. I can't call anybody. I don't have a phone. I don't know anybody. I don't know where Mock is. I don't know anything. So I'm sitting at the airport just waiting and seeing if somebody's going to show up and say, hey, you know, I'm with the Basketball Federation. <laughs> Nothing. So I'm there for like two to three hours and I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay all the things they tell you, don't do this, don't go here, you know, it's dangerous, Nigeria, all these things. And my dad didn't even want me to go. Um, Cause he's like, it's not, they're not gonna pay you what you should get. They're not gonna treat you right, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm going, I don't care. Like I had traveled the world. So it wasn't like I'd never been anywhere. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do I do? So I finally am just like, forget it. I'm getting, I get in a taxi. And I know, you know, the, the airport is kind of far from the city of Abuja. And so I'm driving, it's pretty, I'm like, oh, it's pretty, it's green outside. You know, I'm looking around and stuff. And the driver takes me to customs office, I think, where Booba's supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> um, and I mean, I have these humongous suitcases that are like 70 pounds and for whatever reason, and I know this is not what you're supposed to do, I left my stuff in the car. And I, <laughs> and I go up there and I meet somebody and he's talking to me. No apologies about, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't come get you. He's like, where's your stuff? I'm like, it's in the car downstairs. And he starts, he's like, what? Where, what do you, what do you mean it's downstairs? Like your stuff's gone. You're just, you know, he's telling me like, <laughs> you made the, you're the dumbest. You made the dumbest, biggest mistake. And then I go downstairs and the driver is still there. And my stuff is still there. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be This is going to work out. But I mean, crazy. Right. So I'm, I'm there now. Um, I met Booba. 
And um, from there, you know, they took me to a hotel and then the games village. And then we started practicing and the games started. And that was like our little mini Olympics for Africa, you know, um, great time. I had just bought a new digital camera. I mean, in 2003, that's kind of when we were just getting digital cameras and uh, made sure and had a digital camera. I mean, I took thousands of pictures and um, I stayed in on the continent for seven straight weeks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, my first time, I mean, I was sick. I was skinny. I lost all this weight. I wasn't eating (laughs) that whole getting your, you know, immune system and body ready to go. Um, But we, Won the All Africa Games, which was great, um, first time ever. And then from there was the club, um, the Continental Club Championship. I guess they call, I don't know what they call it now, but I, they always just call it the, the club championship back when I was playing. And we went to Mozambique. Uh, we spent some time in South Africa and um, did some camp and practice there. And then we went to Maputo and won that tournament. Mm. Uh, came from behind um you know so that's two for two (laughs) and then um we leave and the olympic qualifiers coming up we got to go back to mozambique and at the time i think i may have spoken to sam vincent on the phone um i met him in new york and mock was in new york and we were all kind of working out waiting for the phone call when are we leaving when are we leaving you know that whole um process and so we get there um we get to south africa a week before the championship so we had maybe five days practice and from what i heard later on is like they didn't even want us to send us there because they didn't think we could win and i didn't understand that because we had just won like two championships of, of you know we were two for two so we get there um get to mozambique they put us in this one city that was two hours away from Maputo. They split the sites up. And I mean, it was rough. It was <laughs> rough. Um, I wasn't eating a lot. I was, you know, just uh, tired and it was hot and it just wasn't the best accommodation. Probably done on purpose. Um <laughs> So we we get out of that. I sprained. I, I had tweaked my ankle, and it was kind of sprained, and it was getting worse because I was still playing. And um, then we fly back on Christmas Day to the capital Maputo, and that's when the semifinals and all those things are starting. And we play Angola in the semis, and we're losing like the whole game, and we end up coming back and winning. So now we're in the championship, and we're playing Mozambique. In Mozambique. And as you know, um, a lot of times home teams never lose um, in those type of situations. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're like, hey, we're here. Um, I'm not thinking about possibly getting cheated or anything like that. But beforehand, my ankle was so swollen that the trainer, our physio was there. She was like, I forbid you. You, I, I will not tape you. You are not allowed to play. And I looked at her and I was like, is she crazy? Like, we're about to, this is for the Olympics. Like, yeah. <laughs> tape me up. And she wouldn't tape me. So Mock and Coach Sam taped me. I was like taking all these pills, numbing everything. Um, taped my ankle, put a brace on, went out there, had 26 and 14, mm. came from behind, won the championship, 
going to the Olympics. I mean, who, where, where could that, where could that happen? Only for like a national team and then the whole um, situation of how I showed up there and how everything just unfolded. I mean, it's a story that you could never even imagine or write. It's just, that's just how it goes. And, um, you know, and then we defended uh, the world, the, the, our next championship, which was even better because it was in Nigeria and, um, you know, they put us in the, the Nikon, I think it was called the Hilton at the time. And we had all these good accommodations or eating good. And they're like, you better win. They're yeah. like, we're doing all this for you. You better win. So, you know, you feel that pressure because you're like, well, you know, dang, we got to win. Plus we're defending champions. And it's always hard to, um, you know, defend your championship mm-hmm. and same thing there. I mean, we had some, some close battles and um, we're able to do it again in front of our home country. And that was, that was by far like the best experience ever. I, I, I was just going to say that because I know the Nigerian supporters club. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kingsley Obudira coming to you. Real talk from Sacramento, California, where we have all of the latest gist. This is African Basketball Podcast at its best. Today's episode episode is being brought to you by Jump Souls. I was just going to say that because I know the Nigerian Supporters Club party. Now, I, I know that they party. When you give them a championship at their home court, it must have been insane. It was it was unbelievable, and I mean the the just being home, and I mean we had kind of had a little notoriety because we had played in that exact venue um, for the All Africa Games and won, and um, you know then being in the Olympics, even though you know we won our one game in the Olympics, which was historic because no other African team had ever won one single game. So, I mean, obviously we would have liked to do better, but when you, when I look back at it, um, I just realized like how special that was. And it's even more special to me because the following, we beat Korea by four points um, in our final game. And it was like nine o'clock in the morning, six o'clock we had to get up to like, you know, go play this game. And it's like the last game and nobody wants to lose. And, um, the following year I went and played in Korea and, um, those girls practice six hours a day. They practice three times a day for two hours. And so when I think about our team, how young and inexperienced we were and how inexperienced Africa was just with basketball. And I know that those Koreans were practicing like crazy for years and years for us to beat them. Um, it's, it, it's so much more um, impactful when I, when I think about it now. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and it's funny that you, you said that because, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, when, when you go to these tournaments, you know, uh, other, other teams have been preparing for months and months and months. Yes. And Nigeria, we're so talented, you know, that at times we'll throw a team together. And like, like you said, you guys arrived in a few days. Uh, I've actually arrived the day of a tournament. <laughs> the day of the tournament. I remember uh, we were in Egypt and we arrived 
you know, and this is for the world championship, by the way, I think, you know, uh, either the world championship or the Olympics, one of the, the winner basically gets a go. And uh, Angola had been there, for, you know, uh, for two, three weeks, you know, preparing, you know, you know, in, in Egypt, you know, where the tournament is. When we arrived, I remember, you know, because we are competitors and we play against all these guys. You get to know them and, you know, and have a little bit of respect, uh, uh, you know, for each other. I still would, you know, bring in my bag and, and out of the car. You know, uh, and these guys, you know, they were like, you know, they, they came, you know, and they can barely speak English. They speak Portuguese and, you know, and they're like uh, Kingsley, you know, Kingsley, you know, like you arrive now, you arrive now. And that's, you know what they told me? They said, you guys, you guys are not serious. You're not serious. I said, we'll see you in the finals. <laughs> okay. That's how serious we are because we will see you in the final. And we did. You know, because it, 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 we know that, you know, with little preparation, you know, it's just what it is. You know, uh, we will still be there because kind of what you said, you know, with your ankle swollen up, you were determined not not to not to let this opportunity slide, you know. And that is the African spirit. A lot of people don't understand it. But, you know, one of the things I w I'm actually going to uh, pull up and, and show uh, some of your, uh, your highlights and some of your information here, you know, so people can actually get, a, you know, the ones that are watching the video part of this can see a little bit of the, you know, uh, you know some activity or at least some of the things that you guys accomplished, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, when you were playing. But, you know, uh, back to the you know, situation that like when you, are fighting and 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 you you have that hunger and you're playing for your national team uh people don't understand it but it's a little bit of a different feeling like with that ankle i i, I had a uh, twisted ankle of the world championship and and the same thing guy and i went to the sideline we didn't even have the uh, uh you know the the medic there <laughs> right of course right you had to make your own way yeah <laughs> the, manage the, the the funny thing about this, uh, uh, we uh, when I I was uh, speaking with Julius Wonsu uh, on the last podcast, and uh, and now he was actually the one that taped me up, you know, uh, because you know I'm on the sideline and my my ankle is trembling because I couldn't put it on the ground, you know, uh, so and but it was it was you know we were up by six points and we playing Australia, Shane Hill, the NBA player, you know, me and him is going at it and he's talking trash to me and I'm talking trash right back to him. Like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> so it, it was no time to, uh, uh, you know, to sleep. So you got to get your leg taped to do whatever we have to do. And, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, I kind of want you to touch on those championships that, that, that you won. Obviously it takes a lot to kind of go through it. How did how did that you know uh, what did that do for the team? How did you you know what was your team? Uh, how was how was you guys afterwards? You know, like because obviously you guys weren't satisfied. You won back to back, you know. But you know how did that you know make you the the team unit? How how did that make you guys? Well, you know what I, w I will say this: um, I was the only person that was kind of planted in on this team, um, so they were very uh, much a team without me there. And they had played together for years. So um, me just kind of getting put on that team, I had, um, they were very close. They were very accommodating um, and very competitive. I, I would say that I think a few times we were not the best team necessarily, but we were tough and those girls did not give up. They fought hard, um, played hard the whole time. 
And I think like that's one of the reasons why we were able to kind of win in 2003, because, you know, there was a group that had been playing together for years. So it wasn't like we threw together, you know, a 12 person team. I kind of was the only, um, you know, American born player that, you know, was on that team. So they were resilient, very tough, um, very hard nosed and just determined. And I appreciate them so much for that. And for just kind of, you know, showing me the ropes and teaching me a little broken English here and there and, you know, making all the fun and trying to find the food without pepper in it, all those things. Um, I also, um, I was also a very physical player anyway. I was undersized. I like Charles Barkley. You know, I like to post that. I, I loved battling inside. So for me coming over there, it wasn't really hard. I was just surprised that we could play that physically mm. because those, you know, there's not a lot of fouls called. I mean, they have cleaned up the game a lot, which is good for the game, of course. But I mean, scoring, you know, 10, 15 points is like putting up 10, 15, 25, because you're going through, <laughs> you know, slaps and hits and punches and jerseys being pulled and hair being pulled and all those things to get those buckets and it's hard. It's not, it's nothing like I'd ever seen before. When I was less like, Oh, okay. So we can play like this. All right, let's go. go from there. I'm like, all right, so she can, so I can elbow her in her stomach and nothing's going to happen. Cool. Let's go. And so that was, you know, how we played. And, um, I've had several black eyes. Um, my nose is, fractured broken to this day got that from there um and so it it's one of those things and I think about like I remember a girl I mean I think she punched me or came close to some type of something because I have a bump here it's still (laughs) and then I remember that happening and I I still was out there fighting and playing and I'm like, what was I, what was I doing? But I was like, no, we're not, we're not backing down and we were winning winning the game. So I think they were, you know, deliberately like, you know, trying to take me out or whatever. Um, And I had several teams try to do that. Senegal was one of them. Congo for sure. Um, There's this picture I saw of myself um, and we're playing Congo in, um, 2005 in Abuja and there's like three girls on me and I can barely like I can barely see and I'm just thinking like how do I ever score any points like how do I even you know because there were get her like stop her and the, you know stopping me was not going to hurt our team we had talent enough to you know do without but again there were those players that were um you know thrown in to try to take me out kind of thing. But um, it's just, it's another level. It's a beast um, and it's hot, it's loud. Um, you're sweating, like uh, it's slippery, like everything that you could possibly throw at you um, to try to win games. It is hard. It's really hard. And I think um, I'm really competitive. So my whole mindset was I got to get, over this hump, I got to get through this because I know this is coming. I know this, you know, I know all the things that are going to be thrown at you. And I always, like, I joke about it, but when I would get to any country in Africa, I had this like five to seven day period where I was going to have a breakdown of some sort, like, because (laughs) I was 
hot. I was tired. I was hungry. You know, I was just all of those things. After about five, seven days, I would hit a wall and then I just like just go nuts and not want to talk to anybody and have a real attitude. But then after that day or so, I got over that. I was like, okay, <laughs> now I can continue because that that has gotten out of me. So it, it's it's just something that no one would ever understand until you play there. Um, there's no way you can be prepared for that unless you play there. Um, and I think one of the things that in 2017, we were trying to tell a lot of these newer players, like, look, this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Like, mm-hmm. and they would, you know, they don't know. So they probably think you're not being truthful or like, yeah, whatever. But when they got there and they, they experienced it now, they're now they're like, Oh, okay. And what happened was um, we were going for a shoot around and Senegal was on the court. This was at a, another location um, they were on the court and they were supposed to get off the court mm. and they wouldn't. So somebody starts talking and somebody else starts talking and then there's a little scuffle going on. Like, so our teams kind of got into it a little bit, like kind of gotten a little scuffling. <laughs> so I was like, good. I'm glad this happened. Cause this was before the tournament started. So I'm like, okay, now they're going to get it. They're going to understand mm-hmm. that this is going to be war. Mm-hmm. So glad that happened because that kind of, I think, reinforced like what we had been saying and then um, came out there in Mali and playing in Mali is hard. <laughs> um, playing in Mali is a beast and playing at their home. And we skirted out of there with a one point win against the, that team. And once we got that, um, we ended up playing Senegal in the, in the um championship and we were down early and I'm sitting in the stands because you know I can't play I'm like a manager now and I'm just like oh god I'm sitting there watching and I think they went up like 11 to 14 points and I'm just like there's no way we're going out like this I'm like hell no we cannot into Senegal I'm like no we cannot go out like this and they were rolling early and we like took their first punch second punch and then we came back and just rolled over them like it was a great it was a great atmosphere. It was a great game. And I, I was just, that, that was just a really, really great moment. Another one of many great moments. <laughs> now, how, you know, you kind of mentioned something I want to touch on now, you know, the food. How did you fare with the food? You know, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, finding food without pepper, you know, uh, so you weren't like your brother, your brother, you know, uh, he enjoyed the foo food. You know, I mean, we grew up with that. So it wasn't anything, uh, it wasn't anything we'd never had before, but you know, a lot of times um, it's just so spicy and <laughs> it's like, not, not just spicy, but it's like, it's like a blowtorch, a fire. <laughs> and I just, for me, like, I just hate, I don't want to sweat when I'm eating. I don't want to like, you know, dab on my nose and all those things, but <laughs> Um, I was lucky enough usually to have somebody cook a little bit different um, or find some other food to eat. But yeah, I mean, the food is, is, is good. We just get to the point. We just put a towel, put a towel around your neck and just, yeah, I, yeah, I I don't, I'm I'm just not into, you know, spicy food. And and my dad used to make it and he used to um, like prepare it. And then before he put the pepper in, he would take our portion, like for the kids, me and my brother, <laughs> and his portion, and just, you know, 
pour all the pepper in there. And um, I remember one time I was real, I was, uh, you know, a kid and tried it one time. It was just like, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I didn't grow up eating pepper. Didn't grow up eating pepper. Yeah, that, that's definitely a Nigerian, uh, a Nigerian thing because uh, I know that, you know, even myself, uh, I'm, I'm not supposed to eat pepper. Yeah. But I love it. I love like the pepper. And so I just, you know, I get the towel and put it around my neck and, and you know, you know. <laughs> well, you know, know it's funny. It's like every time I'll go and like, let's say I'll say, is there pepper in here? And then, and then wherever I'm at, they'll be like, no, there's no pepper. And then I'll taste it. And I'm just like, dude, come on. Like there's pepper in here. It's like, ah, but it's just small amounts. Like, but it's that's pepper. When I say no pepper, I mean like none. And they look at me, they're like, none? Like, who are you? What are you talking about? No pepper. Like, how can I make, how can I have food with no pepper? So it's like, this is one of those things that make me laugh all the time. It's pepper soup. We got to have pepper. <laughs> you got you to love it. Now, who is your favorite Nigerian or your favorite African artist? You know what's funny about this? Like people ask me this a lot and I do listen to um, Nigerian, current Nigerian music when I work out a lot because it's upbeat. And um, But like my ba- best memories and my like fondest memories and when it takes me back to like when my dad was, when we were growing up with my dad is like, you know, Prince Nico Mbarga, like that old Nigerian music. <laughs> So, you know, the sweet mother, all those things, because those are the those are the things I remember when we were growing up and um, all of the older type music like that to me, like kind of hits me um, a lot more because it's more sentimental. And it's just one of those things that you know I remember growing up. I think, you know, uh, especially, you know, growing up here uh, in the States. Uh, my uncles, you know, would, you know, be playing, you know, the same, you know, song, you know, sweet mother, you know, so it's like he had like mixes and, and all of those older songs and stuff. And like I said, I still like those, that just like gives me happy memories. But I mean, I like all, I like techno. I like Davido. I like, um, you know, Wizkid, all of that current. All of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, definitely Nigeria, you know, has, uh, you know, they've definitely come a long way, especially in the music industry. Uh, but Africa as a whole, uh, one of the things that, you know, obviously that we're very excited about, you know, uh, is the Olympics that's coming up and both our men and women uh, representing Africa. So which is, you know, I don't know if that's have ever happened before. You know, I mean, to have both men and women, you know, from the same country representing, you know, uh, the continent, you know, uh, this is a big, a huge, huge accomplishment. Uh, but we're going to be going across, you know, all of Africa, uh, highlighting, you know, the phenomenal talents that's out there. Uh, I, you know, was checking out Egypt, Morocco, in Angola, in Senegal, you know, uh, you know I mean, there's just, you know, phenomenal uh, talent. Uh, there was just recently, you know, the top 10 in, um, you know, top 10 of the decade, you know, for in for the last decade, and, uh, which is very interesting. In fact, we're going to be spotlighting that soon. Now, uh, have you been keeping up with, the, you know, some of the African, you know, uh, players, you know, or even, the, you know, some of the, you know, African, you know, uh, you know, heritage that's in the WNBA or the NBA? You know, how are you finding, you know, the level of talent that's, you know, coming across this side of the pond or that has, you know, uh, African imprints? 
Well, I mean, the last, this past NBA draft was just all Nigeria. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And even on the women's side, I mean, I feel like every time I watch a women's game, there's some Nigerian player with a, you know, Nigerian name that is there. I think if you would look on every roster, like every single team, I think there's 300 something teams. Um, you'd probably find one on every roster. Uh, I just think it's a testament to what sports can do and what um, is out there. And even though, you know, these are parents that obviously came to mostly parents that came to America to raise their families and, and stuff like that. I think it shows to me that Nigeria is built for sports period. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like I said, it's not just, basketball and soccer I mean you'll probably see American I mean they're built for American football too um um, what's the other one I'm thinking of wrestling boxing like all of those things that it just shows like what could be if you see it here in the states like then it could be there because there's you know 200 million people and probably half of that is a youth population so like what if they had something to look forward to or what if, you know, they had the same opportunities that there are here. And it's just such a hard thing to get people to picture what sports could be. But when I, when I hear people on the continent referring or talking about what's going on here with the draft and all those things, and I'm just like, well, how can there not be the connection? How do they not make the connection? Like, okay, so it's happening in America why can't it happen here? And so that's what's the next thing, the next step, whatever it takes. We've got to get more people realizing that. And it's not just for a professional um, aspect or making a career of it, because you know that the percentage of people that go pro and make a career out of sports is very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's a lifestyle thing. It is a um, tool for young people to learn valuable life skills, um, recreation to build community. I mean, there's so many things that sports do other than, you know, the professionals, because again, the percentage is so small, but I just, you know, think when you think about being a kid and you'll have all these kids that will never play college basketball, but they played some type of club or, or, you know, through high school, they remember that stuff for life. Mm-hmm. And you remember all those memories, you remember your experiences. And I just think it's so much bigger than um, people realize. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, and it's all about grassroots. You know, uh, we, we kind of have to go back and, you know, teach these kids, you know, as they coming up and encourage them and, and give them uh, an opportunity to, you know, to practice their craft. You know, um, you know, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, everyone, you know, if you get it, once you start playing sports, it just changes your life. You know, I know it did for me. It creates, you know, a social, it teaches your social skills, you know, how to get along with people, you know, and, 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 you know, this better than anyone, you know, on every team, everyone is not on the same level, you know. So, you know, you're going to, you know, some people are going to require a little bit more attention. Some people are going to, you know, don't need any attention, you know, and and it doesn't necessarily mean the better player or uh, not the, not, not the so good player or whatever the case may be, but just, you know, uh, just kind of like in life, you know, uh, as you go through life, everyone is in different stages at, at different times. Uh, so, but I think sports is just a phenomenal tool for, you know, for young people to have, 
you know. Well, you know, definitely we're coming to the end of our hour here. Uh, we definitely want to uh, thank you for, you know, uh, you know, stopping by, you know, sharing your knowledge with us. And hopefully you'll you'll come back and, you know, we want to have, you know, these, you know, legends like yourself, you know, uh, come back and uh, not only talk to the upcoming, you know, uh, groups, you know, but, you know, to let them, you know, give them insights, you know, some of the, you know, the joy of playing for your national team, you know, representing Africa. I mean, it's not very often that we have someone that's, you know, uh, ranked the top 50 in the last 50 years, you know. Uh, that's a major accomplishment. So, and I, I like to pat myself on the back for making that phone call one day, you know, <laughs> where were we, who knows where we would be without that, <laughs> you know, and, How did you even, what did, can you explain to me, like, what were you looking for? How did you find names? Like, what were you doing? I, I'm glad that you asked that question because, you know, uh, it's one of my many contributions of, uh, to Nigerian basketball. Now, uh, when I joined the team in 1998, uh, Ayo Bakary, you know, I, I love Ayo, you know, phenomenal guy. I mean, uh, you know, just kind of like any coach, you know, you're, you're always going to, you know, uh, you, you, you're going to find, you know, someone that you kind of gravitate towards, right? And when I met Ayo, it was like, all right, you know, this is great. You know, he's putting me on the national team. You know, I came into Nigeria and I, I didn't have any expectations. I was like, hey, you know, I just want to make the team, you know. And I find myself the starting point guard, you know. So uh, from there, you know, after that, you know, first year, they said, hey, you know, like you're in the States, you know, and and I'm, I'm you know, pretty resourceful. I'm a business guy. You know, I'm always doing something, you know, even even when I was in college, I, you know, I had a, a T-shirt company, you know, that, okay. <laughs> you know, I had my teammates, you know, at my, my Tennessee State University. I had them wearing, you know, uh, my clothes, you know, you know, when they came out for warm ups, you know, because, you know, I was always trying to, you know, find a way. My dad was a businessman. I was always into something. So. I, you know, I said, hey, you know, can you help, uh, you know, the national team? You know, we have trouble reaching players. And, you know, for them, you know, back then making phone calls from Nigeria, coordinating. I said, that's not a problem. So they forwarded to me a list of players that they were interested in and and asked me to keep an eye out on, you know, anyone that, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm a ESPN guy. Like, you know, obviously I'm doing a podcast right now <laughs> on top of everything else that's going. I love sports especially right. basketball. So I'm always anyone that has a name that I can't pronounce or that's similar to my name. I want to find out about this person, you know, and if you put it in work, I, you know, definitely. So I called a lot of people and I sent a lot of, uh, you know, I used to pick up, I called Tubby, uh, 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 Tubby for, and uh, when he was at Kentucky for Kalina as a BK, you know, he, uh -huh. you know, he was going to play with us, you know, uh, you know, I was actually working on, you know, on, on, on his, uh, you know, information before, you know, they had a tragedy and he ended up ended, uh, going to the NBA and so on. Uh, but, you know, he was going to come and play with us. You know, he, you know, uh, at least I was talking to Tubby about it. Uh, Itora Umo, you know, I brought her onto the team, you know, yeah. uh, you I know, was were... to play with her that year. Like that was that one year. And I just, that's when my knee was torn yet. Yeah. So it, it was a lot of players. So I actually, I till today, I have Nigerian, you know, Federation, you know, paperwork that, you know, I sent off to people and, you know, I literally, 
you know, uh, and, and, and I, with his permission, I signed his name, <laughs> you yeah. know, for the invites, you know, I said, is it okay for me to, you know, uh, yes, yes. You know, you have my authorization, you know, to send this out to the, to the, these following places by people. And so that's how I ended up reaching out to you because yeah. you know, your resume was already, you know, established, you know, you were putting work and, and I was like, Hey, this is somebody that can help our national team. And so anytime I find players, you know, I always forward it. I'm still doing it. And I, I recently sent over, uh, it was a, a, a fantastic point. He actually found me, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I met, you know, in here in Sacramento, there was a, uh, a you know, kids, you know, uh, that I met Nigerian kids, uh, they were playing basketball. He's in high school at the time, you know, and, uh, you know, me being a former Nigerian national team player, you know, I, you know, I, I met with him, you know, their dad and, you know, and I was like, these are promising young guys. After Nigeria got beat in the Olympics, you know, the men team, uh, they, the, the, they got blown out in our one uh, Olympics. And these kids were, you know, they were crying, you know, their dad called me and, and I went to their house and, uh, and they, you see my, my boys were just distraught over this. You know, they said they want to play for Nigeria. You know, and these are American born kids here, you know, uh, but with Nigerian parents. Right. And I said, well, this is good. You know, this is good. You know, that fire, let that fire burn in them, you know. <laughs> and and today, uh, well, the last uh, the, the, uh, this that kid has been on the Nigerian national team now for the uh, the last probably four or four years or so, you know, four or five years now. That's him. Yes. You know that, you know, that boy can go, that boy can go. And that's another one of those kids in that, you know, I was very fortunate that and he wanted to play. So, but that loss that in the Olympics was a driving motivation for him, you know, because I got the phone call right afterwards, like, you know, from his dad, you know, like my boys want to play. <laughs> right. So, yeah. and, and, you know, and then of course, you know, he was in high school at the time, you know, and then he went on to college and, 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 uh, and the boy, you know, he kind of like, you know, he did it himself. I mean, uh, I think the Clippers, you know, I brought him in, you know, he was, uh, I don't know if they drafted him or they, you know, cause I know he was working out with the Clippers and, you know, playing with the Clippers and then, uh, uh, and then the Kings, you know, uh, at least in the preseason, you know, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it's basically my small contributions for Nigerian basketball. Uh, anytime I see talent, you know, uh, definitely, you know, I want to, you know, I'll call the uh, the ESA, the general manager, whoever is in charge. Uh, I'm shooting them messages like, hey, you know, uh, there's, there's a guy over here that you guys might want to keep an eye on. Because I think, you know, if we can, you know, we can, I truly, I, I truly believe this that we can field a team that can be competitive against the American teams. If, oh, yeah. if we pulled all our talents, you know, yeah, you know absolutely. So, uh, but definitely uh, once again, I, you know, I definitely want to thank you again. You know, uh, it's been, uh, it's been an honor talking with you. And uh, like I said, I'll take all the credit. So any, uh, all the Africans, you know, you can send me my check. I'm going to put my address. <laughs> I am responsible for this one. This is my talent. I found it. <laughs> yes, thank you. Who knows? Well, like I said, where where would we be right now without that call? Well, I, I, I thank you again. I, I tell you that, you know, uh, it's been a great pleasure. You're, you're, you know, a great person. I love talking with you and, you know, got a great mind. And just please keep doing the things that you're doing and come back in, on the show. And of course, keep teaching the young ones. OK. Yes, sir. Thank you again. All right, have a good one. You too.
Thank you for watching our, our Real Talk with Kingsley Ogudere. We'll be back, you know, with more African sports. This is the only place where you'll get the best content for African sports. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kingsley Ogudere coming to you. Real Talk from Sacramento, California, where we have all of the latest gist. This is African Basketball Podcast at its best. Today's episode episode is being brought to you by Jump Souls.